Welcome to Business Leader Breakthroughs, where we help unlock the potential in you, your teams, and your business. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We share insights, experiences, and stories on achieving breakthrough success in business and life. To learn more, click the link in the episode show notes or go to thebreakthrough.co. Now let the breakthroughs begin. Mike, welcome along to this episode of the uh, podcast. Good to have my partner in crime back in the house. Fun, isn't it? And literally in the house because, of course, we're in the middle of uh, lockdown and hopefully by the time people are seeing this, we are mm, free. That would be that would be good. And boy, this uh, this lockdown is providing challenge for us in all sorts of directions. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we should you know certainly acknowledge that uh, where we are, we're very fortunate to have you know minor number of cases, uh, but still, when our business audience thinks about the impact of the uh, lockdowns to our business and to our people uh, directly, uh, there's still some pretty significant things going on. Yeah, I've been reflecting on that. I've just uh, done a blog, which will be out by the time you've seen that. It's, you're watching this, but it's. Um, uh, I think we are only starting to scratch the surface of the emotional impact of lockdown, COVID, whatever you know, whatever. It's a it's a kind of this. Uh, I use the analogy of a of a, a a rising tide at night. You know, you can't quite track what it's about, where it's coming from, but increasingly i think business leaders at all levels have to be very aware of the long-term impact that this is having on people has had and is continuing to have on people including themselves but that's a topic for another day right it is a topic for another day but a very relevant one so i think we should uh, cover that because we've had a couple of uh, really useful insights with our own team members and sure. with other uh, business leaders around around the place where that that is is valuable but um, look today the the word that we want to talk about is contribution uh, i think we've had lots of insight and discussion broadly in the leader community around uh, so how do i how do I kind of manage and lead people when we're in lockdown, out of lockdown, working from home, in the office, kind of partly in the office, uh, lots of screen time, Zooms, etc. And you've done some fantastic work around this, Mike, thinking about, I guess, where the continuum goes from uh, let's measure time at a desk as a measure of whether people are uh, adding value to our organization through to that that word productivity which is a concept that uh, management gurus have talked about for, for years about how do you measure productivity and how do we improve it and you've really taken that uh, thinking to the next level so where, where did your thinking around this contribution thing start? Well, it actually started before before COVID was even a thing um, it started at a conversation at a board table in a, at a joinery factory and it I just kind of, you know, sometimes have those moments of, of real clarity and they're relatively rare, I'll have to say, but uh, I did have one. <laughs> and it was, you know, what does this organisation need to do? It needs to uh, improve its communication because communication between people was poor. There needs to be better teamwork and there needs to be more of a, of a learning mindset. And to me, that was, that was all about collaboration, about how you get people contributing ideas that that are going to make a difference, that are going to see the business improve. And then I was kind of um, reflecting on that uh, and in the context then of, of COVID and for that matter, the Black Lives Matter protests as well. Um, and I started to think about the, the idea of contribution. I talked about it last year in a session and it's just stayed with me as being a really 
interesting and important concept, not just in organisations, but, but wider too. So how wide does it go? Are we talking about just an individual leader managing the direct team? Is it, is it organisation-wide? Is it community-wide? So sort of how, how wide are you thinking here? Oh, well, I think it starts with the individual, and that, that is where I started. I started with the individual, and then thought, well, yeah, inside an organisation, people want to make a contribution, but they've got to be enabled by their managers, and that's got to be kind of authorised by their leaders. Now, but actually, you know, the whole relationship outside the walls of the organisation, the contribution you make to customers, the contribution you make to our community, to, and then, wow, well, actually it goes wider than that, particularly in the context of some of the social justice protests to our society, and then actually right out to the planet. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, got, it's got some big span. Yeah, so it's, it's timely around COVID, but it's not, the, it's not only associated with COVID. Probably COVID have highlighted some uh, things like being forced to work where we can't collaborate so, so directly. But the, the concept you're talking about is broader than just a reaction to, yeah. to COVID. Yeah, it is. And I think, I think what's happened is actually, along with some of those kind of subterranean fears that, that COVID and lockdown play into, I think it's also forced a process of reflection. And I think it's different the way, the opportunity we've got to think about contribution in terms of society and the planet and, and, as a, and our customers and internally. I think it's partly driven by the fact that people have had time to really reflect on what's important in their lives. And, and I think that was lockdown. That was kind of spending time with family and thinking about, you know, whether they were thinking about it directly and explicitly or whether it was, again, just kind of subtly by osmosis reconsidering what's really important. And, and I think we wouldn't have these conversations. I wouldn't be advancing this proposition if it hadn't been for that process. Okay. So let's dig into what contribution looked like. Great word. Uh, there's probably multiple different interpretations out there as to what, a, what contribution means. What's your take on it? What does it sort of look like day to day? Well, I did some research on it. Actually, I, I didn't find very much on it at all in the literature, which, which was interesting. Um, there's a lot of talk about engagement and collaboration and stuff like that. And I thought, well, actually, you can be engaged but still not contributing. I think contribution, that idea that you um, do something that's or are something beyond just what's in your job description. An interesting example, when I was talking to one of our clients and I said, you know, I'm doing this stuff on contribution. They said, oh, yeah, we've got it in our performance review. What was your contribution to the culture? And I said, well, how does that go? No, it doesn't. People don't get it. I said, well, what would happen if you changed that to contribution to the team? And they go, oh, yeah, well, that's different. And I said, well, what are, your, what are your contributions to the team? And we had this conversation. And, and you know, one guy said, well, I, I think I'm the guy that people can come to. I always have been, that, that they can come to and, and have a conversation about, you know, some of the stuff that's bothering them. Um, and another guy, you know, he thinks his he felt that his contribution was about tidying up the details. It's not in the job description, but actually it's a really fundamental thing. And the other guy, his contribution was, actually my job is to kind of look out into the future and, and see where we're going. I thought, yeah, that, that's what I mean by contribution. 
you know, in our own team, we look at we look at the, the people in the team, and you know, beyond the the job description, what do they contribute? What do we contribute? And it's you know, not just in our titles and in our. Have you got a job description? I don't think so. I, I don't think I've got one either. Which is I, I've, I've always felt they were reasonably redundant because they always have that last line in them says and anything else that's required. Yeah, 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 like, pretty well, much. you know, why don't we just have that one line because that's that's pretty much the gig, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, you know, our contributions to the team and to the culture, that matter, uh, are more than just what we do. It's it's how we are. It's what we bring. It's what we give. It's what we give. So I think it's you know at an individual level, I think people want to make a contribution. Many many traditional management practices have kind of put a lid on contribution because we've been so obsessed with productivity and list ticking and yeah. how many things have you got completed this week. And I think we observe all the time in organisations where lots of stuff is getting done, but yeah. it's really not moving the organisation forward a, a whole lot. And when you bring that mindset of contribution, you start going, oh, so how am I contributing to those around me? How am I contributing to the team? How am I contributing to what the organization is trying to achieve overall? Mm -hmm. You start, uh, you know, exploring some pretty interesting questions. It changes. I think it changes the question and, of course, that it changes the answer. And I, I think you're right, you know, the productivity piece. We, we've been measuring engagement as if that's the kind of holy grail. But actually, engagement is just how motivated people feel to do their work. The contribution piece is over and above that. You know, you can be really engaged in your work and getting your work done without any thought of how that relates to anybody else or to the organisation or to where, you know, the, the kind of the dynamic in the team and how, you know, all those things, those, those wider things, those social things that we're finding, you know, in the context of lockdown are so important. It's not just about achievement. It's not just about, you know, what did you do? It's what did you contribute? Yeah. And we're seeing some of our uh, clients really grasp this concept of contribution and uh, a fantastic experience that I've observed. One of the organisations that I'm, I'm on their advisory board, mm. they have uh, a member of their team. She's just fantastic. She's, she's culture glue. You know, she brings that, that team together, just does a phenomenal job. Mm. And they have recognised how important her role is in the organisation to the point that they're bringing her now in as a shareholder and equity partner. Right. Now, she, by way of title, she performs a role in the business that wouldn't normally be associated with getting equity in a, in a business like, yeah. like theirs, but they just get the fact that without her bringing the, the team together, that contribution of culture that she makes and togetherness, mm -hmm. that you know, mm -hmm. they would be a, a much lesser organisation. Mm -hmm. It's very cool to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. And it's great to see people thinking about it in that It's in a way that, you know, we could say, well, that would happen anyway. But but putting the framework of contribution around it actually says, okay, that's where that's where we're getting that contribution. It also invites the question about the rest of the management team, what their contribution is. And then you go, hmm, if this is my kind of contribution, how can I make a how can I contribute more? How can I be more in, in this organisation? I think that comes down to the role of leaders. If you distinguish between the manager and the leader, you know, the manager, to my way of thinking, is um, uh, they work with individuals and leaders work with teams and organisations. That's, you know, that's our simple kind of way of dividing things up. The leaders have to set the direction for the business. They have to 
authorise this idea of contribution, both from themselves, but asking, inviting their managers to think about it so that their ma the managers can then work that concept with their team pretty much. So I think it's, I think it's a really um, powerful way of thinking about the dynamic that goes on inside an organisation. Okay, so let's get really practical for a, for a moment. I'm a manager, I'm leading a, a group of people, I'm maybe in an operations uh, team type, yep. and type environment. I've been used to asking people, uh, what have they completed this week? What's been your achievement? How productive have you been? You know, yep. what, what would be a way I could, as a manager, could I shape a different conversation? Well, what we've done, and, you know, we've only just kind of started on this journey, but... Um, what we've done is simply said at the, in the team meeting, the weekly team meeting, you know, what was your biggest contribution last week? Separate from what you achieved, what was your biggest contribution? And it's not always uh, what you think. So, you know, inviting people at the team meeting to say, okay, what was your biggest contribution in the previous week? And, and often that's not just about what work did you get done or what did you achieve? It's maybe what did that achievement represent? What was something that you did in either a work or maybe even a non-work setting that represented a contribution, you know, a giving, um, giving something of yourself. It's so much more than it's because it's voluntary. It's not, it's discretionary. It's kind of not necessary. It's not formally part of what you're doing, but it's, it's making a difference. I suppose it's another way of saying, how did you make a difference? So you can do it at that practical level, I think, is you know, is what we're what we're practicing. But then I think we can look outside the organization as well. Tell me more. <laughs> at the next I, I started to think about it in terms of the layers, you know, there's inside the walls of the organization and then the first layer, if you like, the first ring is the is the customers. With our customers and our clients, especially at the moment, with the massive amount of disruption that nearly all of us have, have faced is what's the contribution we're making to their business? What's more than kind of what's the value, what's the commercial relationship? How are we making them feel? You know, do they feel that their business is more secure because of what we're bringing to them? Do they feel more confident about the future because of the, the, the relationship we're having? You know, what's the real value we're adding? in this time of kind of deep questioning about where are we going, what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with our business, what does that relationship look like now? And I think it's got to be more than just the transactions that we've, we've had to date. There needs to be more of a relationship piece and we need to think about how we contribute to that. The same goes for suppliers as well, you know, looking at, at, at a, just at another dimension I think a good example of that, Mike, is the, the partners we work with. We have a fantastic group that help deliver our programs into our, our member base. And we're always going, well, how could we add value to them? How could we contribute to them? And so hosting um, events in those, those old days, we used to be able to get people together uh, physically. Mm -hmm. uh, but bringing them together and sharing knowledge and insights and, and learnings, which for them is really valuable because they tend to spend a lot of time uh, delivering that for clients but often don't mm. get the opportunity to do it themselves. So just giving that as a, as a contribution has been a, a good way to help our partners. Yeah. As simple as that, help our yeah. partners. Yeah. And look, you know, even in our marketing, um, we've been talking for a while about building a community of interest for operational leaders. 
And actually, the, 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 the impulse is not buy from us. The impulse is how can we make a contribution to that community, to people who we would like to have a relationship with, not necessarily a business relationship or a, or a kind of commercial relationship, but a relationship based around helping each other do better work. And it, and it does start from that motivation of contribution. This is a good way to make a contribution to people free of the pressure of selling or marketing or prospecting or anything else like that. It's just, you know what, we think this would be of value to you. Here, have this. Mm-hmm. I think the other piece that, that I reflect on for um, not so much, I guess, from our own point of view, but for businesses is this is really a time to make a contribution to your community by buying local. You know, with so many businesses that are uh, under the pump, finding a way to buy local is going to be really, really important. And you don't have to, you know, it's not mandatory. There's nobody requiring it. But again, to come to the idea of a contribution being a voluntary, discretionary, um, giving, then I think it's a great time to think about how we can support local business. And you make me think of that fantastic movie, Pay It Forward. Yeah. Uh, know, yeah, of going, you know, actually what makes us feel fantastic as, as humans is when we do something for someone else yeah. and we don't do it because we want something reciprocated, but actually going, hey, I did something great for you. Now, if you did something great for, for someone going forward, we can create a, a better environment, a better community, a better, yeah. a better globe. Uh, yeah, by uh, all, all taking a moment to pay it forward. And I think we can do that at a micro level. If you, go, you know, I can engage with a team member, not because it's part of my KPIs, not because it was on my to-do list today, but, you know, maybe maybe just uh, spending five or ten minutes having the discussion with them was the thing that made a huge contribution to them and what, what was going on for them in their world. And, you know, you can kind of... Um walk past that opportunity you see somebody who's maybe struggling a bit or has done good work whichever and you can walk past it and just kind of keep it pretty pretty simple or you can choose to make a contribution and sit down and find out what you know what's really going on or talk about take the time to invest a little more in the relationship to make a contribution to them and to their day i guess you know the pay out forward piece you do it for the motivation of doing it and yet, very often, um, you know, it comes around. So we had a, a, the example I would have is I was asked to speak at the Greater East Tamaki Business Association where 10 years ago, it turns out, uh, the, the, the director out there, Jane Tamatule, and, and, and I devised this uh, business owners forum and it's still going strong. And I, I haven't been there. You took over from me as the facilitator, mm-hmm. I guess, four or five years ago. Um, and we haven't been out there for a while. Jane invited me to speak. I thought, oh, great, loved it. And it was just to make a contribution because, you know, it's not our target market. It's, there's no good marketing reason to do it. It was simply to share some thoughts about what's happening and how to think of it, you know, to add some value, to make a contribution. Actually, out of that, there was I made a connection at the at the meeting, which has subsequently turned into a really significant opportunity. Not why I did it, but you know that's the that's the karma bit, right? Karma doesn't always run over your dogma. <laughs> totally. And we're obviously Black Lives Matter is a um, 
significant and important movement now do you see an intersection between kind of contribution and the black lives matter yeah yeah this was a this was i guess it was a couple of months ago when the protests were at their height and i was thinking what's you know what's really going on here and and what was interesting because what was going on was there was a massive shift in sympathy uh, and there has been over the years, particularly since Black Lives Matter started in about 2014, uh, Michael Brown, the young black guy who was killed by police, I think, it started there. And, and increasingly public support has uh, shifted away from kind of, we don't have a right, and particularly in the US, really interesting research that says people now recognise we do have a problem with racism in this country. And that is now a majority view, which is really significant. What's the importance of it? I think, to me, again, that was that process of reflection of people in lockdown and going, you know what, this is just... I mean, there was something about the way that the, the graphic, callous nature of the video, the, the way Chauvin, you know, was killed this guy, basically on camera without a flicker of emotion and his colleagues just stood around. It was so unbelievably callous, brutal. It was disgusting, right? So there was something about that where it kind of magnified, it magnified the issue. But I think it captured a moment in time of, uh, you know, with the lockdown, just people reflecting on what's important. And, and the idea that you know, this is just not right. The reality is um, we, Ryan, you and I, mm -hmm. white males, we're advantaged. We always yes. have been. And, and we continue to be. And I, I just want to share a slide that, um, so what this says is that, you know, the first column there is the proportion of people entering as professionals. So 36% of uh, people who enter the profession are white men, 16% men of color, 4% are black men. White women, 31%, 17% women of color, black women, just 5%. So you get the idea. Now, what it shows is through the progression from entry level to C-suite, that's the proportion. That's the change in proportion. So white men are 36% of entry level professionals and they are 68% of the C-suite. White women, 31% of entry level, not bad, but that drops to 19% by the time you get to the C-suite. If you're a black woman, you're barely on the margin of error. 5% uh, entry level and 1% in the C-suite. I think that, you know, that, that tells an enormous story about the, the, the number of whammies that people face outside the white. There's only one group that grows in proportion, and that's white men. And it's, and it's time to fix it. You know, I think it's as simple as that. It's time to fix it. What do you think are uh, steps that we can take to do that? Because I think it's it's really easy as uh, you know white males for us to sit and put up a graphic like that and go, oh, that's terrible. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah, um, yeah. But what do we do? What do we do differently? We can continue. Look, we can use the argument, well, we are only kind of pointing on merit. I think where we've got the opportunity between you know a straight white male and a non-straight white male, and and even if the non-straight white male is uh, perhaps less, little less experienced, a little less qualified, actually going, we're going to give that person a chance. Because what that graph shows is the straight white male is going to be fine. That's, that's not an issue. You know, 
whinging about uh, reverse prejudice and what's wrong with being a straight white male, etc. That misses the point. That graphic is the point. Yes. You know, what's wrong with it? Nothing's wrong with it. It's just that, you know, the game is skewed towards you because, of course, the straight white males in the, in the uh, C-suite recruit straight white males. So that's what needs to change. I think a more um, making, a making a contribution to society by looking for opportunities to create greater diversity. It's a, you know, what we're looking for with diversity and inclusion is the range of experiences. People that with different backgrounds, different cultures, they have different insights. That's a value to a business, but it's also a value to society. And, you know, the McKinsey piece that that, that that analysis is drawn from highlights the ongoing penalty that those disadvantaged groups continue to suffer because how do they get out of that trap if they never make it into the C-suite? How do they get out of that kind of, that kind of circle? So the contribution we can make is absolutely where we've got a choice to make a positive a positive decision, a contribution to society. Even choosing that one person who comes from a disadvantaged background, you know, the impact that has inside their community is really, really significant, really significant. So it's, I, think it's, um, I think it's a really important opportunity to think about, at least to think about, it, instead of saying, well, it's not my problem, I just hire a merit. Yeah. Try a little harder. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Try a little harder and ask the question, what's my contribution here um, across all aspects of, of your life? So what's your contribution in the work setting? What's your contribution to the community when you bring uh, people into your employment? Mm -hmm. uh, what's your contribution in your community? What's your contribution to people in your uh, personal relationships? I think if you, if, um, as we've experienced, if you just ask that question often, yeah. actually it helps, it helps shape your thinking and therefore yeah. helps shape your action. Yeah, that's right. It's just putting it into part of our kind of consciousness, the contribution piece through repetition and regular kind of visiting of it. It just becomes part of the framework that we use to think about how we operate. Yeah, and yeah. I think we'd, we'd say that it's it's a higher quality question. You know, yeah, it's really not. easy to do the what what did I do today? Yeah. What did I tick off the list today? Those are really easy easy questions. Mm -hmm. But often you look at what you ticked off the list and you're like, yeah, yeah, I got some stuff done, but did it contribute yeah. to me? Did it contribute to those around me? Did it contribute to the organisation? Yeah. I think if you uh, take a, a solid critical look, often you'll find that actually it didn't contribute that much. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, as you said earlier, you know, like you frame productivity versus contribution. If we're obsessed with productivity, then what space does that leave for higher purpose for, for contribution? And look, you know, I think it, it goes all the way to how we contribute to the planet. Again, we can take a kind of a, um, a sort of a benign indifference view, well, it's not really our job. But, you know, actually things like the packaging that we use, how we use energy, the kinds of suppliers that we use, just making the effort to think about how they contribute and therefore how we're contributing to the planet. I, I used the analogy the other day, I was out walking the dog and I was just walking along the, the, the waterfront there and there was, you know, there were bits of plastic that had been washed up by a storm and I was picking up the bits of plastic and then, well, this is, you know, I, I, it was in the, in the sense of, hmm, this is the kind of, this is, this is a contribution at a really micro level and it's totally insignificant in the scheme of things. I have not 
and, I, and I'm the first to criticise empty gestures. This is not an empty gesture. And I thought it's actually a bit like voting. You know, my vote isn't going to change the government. And picking up, doing my little bit in my little community, my little, you know, stretch of, of grass and, and, and waterfront is at one level insignificant, and yet it's every bit as significant as voting. Because if everybody does that, when everybody votes, when everybody picks up bits of plastic, when everybody tries to make a contribution, thinks about how to make a contribution to the planet, to their community, to their business, to their people, that's when change happens. It's got to be at that level that we need to think. We need to, as you said, rethink how we operate and, and continue to kind of rehearse it. And if you need some practice around contribution, there's some really easy ones at the moment, like wear a mask when you're out in public and, oh. and uh, practice good hand hygiene. I mean, that's, that, it's a contribution, right? If, oh, if, yeah. if yeah. one person does it in isolation, it doesn't change much. If you get an entire community or an entire city or an entire population yeah. all making that one small contribution, actually it can make a massive, massive difference to a whole lot of things. Case in point, Taiwan, you know, we're sitting here congratulating ourselves and yes, we've had a resurgence, et cetera, et cetera. Taiwan, they have had seven deaths in the whole period. They have effectively, uh, they, they manage it. And one of the things they do, so they haven't entirely eliminated it, but they have had very few cases and they haven't had to do the lockdown. And one of the reasons for that, one of the primary reasons is because wearing masks is not a protective thing. It's a contribution. Wearing masks is so that I don't, I wear a mask as a, as a way of respecting my neighbours so that I don't infect them, not to protect myself. As with the social distancing and the hygiene, you know, they got on, they got onto it very, very quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So they closed their borders very, very quickly, uh, which, which helped enormously, it didn't get away on it. But we know how, uh, how insidious this virus is. They still have not had a resurgence and it's because the, how they think about their contribution. Look, the, there's 23 million people in a country the size of Canterbury. They have had to learn how to get on and how to kind of, you know, make a contribution to each other to kind of, to, to keep their civil society together. But what an interesting example of exactly what you say. Wearing a mask is not to protect myself, it's to make sure that I don't infect others. Spot on. Hey, great uh, concept for us to close on, Mike, and I'd uh, like to acknowledge you for your contribution around the thinking on contribution. Um, this is uh, important thinking for, uh, for you as an individual, for you and I as business partners, for our team, uh, for our organisation, for our community of clients and partners that we, we work with. And then obviously extending even further out into a, the broader community sense. So uh, thanks for the insights and I think it's really powerful. Thanks, Ryan. And, and listen, I, you know, I want to make a contribution of this. I'm trying to uh, get in front of the Harvard Business Review, which is quite a process. Um, so I've, I've written a, a quite a long piece on this concept, some of which we've talked about here today. And if people are interested, um, you know, we'll make it available. It's, it's a bit too long to post as a blog. Is there another format? What would we call that? Oh, look, we can, we can do it as an article on LinkedIn and uh, we can also make it available as a download. So we'll put that into the uh, show notes. Yeah, great. Yeah. I'd like to have that opportunity to make a contribution. Well said, Mike. Catch you on the next episode. Cheers, Ryan.